There's a lot to learn from Habakkuk's prophecies. And uh, he was a prophet. And uh, we find here in Habakkuk 1.1 the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. You look at chapter 3, verse 1, and it mentions that again, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet unto Shigonah. And uh, this might mean that he was a member of the school of the prophets. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 5 tells us this. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold you your peace. And so it uh, talks about the sons of the prophets. Habakkuk very well may have been one of these prophets. And in contrast, Amos said, I was no prophet. Neither was I a prophet's son. Amos was a sheep herder. And uh, he meant that, you know, he wasn't a, a prophet by profession and training much as Habakkuk was. And uh, this is a very high calling. And uh, we don't have prophets today in the sense of seeing the future. Uh, but we have prophets in the sense of preachers. Uh, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, and exhortation, and comfort. So prophecy today, if you want to think about it in the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 14, you can't see ahead. No one has the ability to see ahead. The only thing we can see ahead is through what the Bible tells us. But a prophet today is one who has the ability, as a preacher does, to preach, edify. It tells us a prophet edifies, he exhorts, and he comforts. So that's the, that's the ministry of, of prophecy today. And Paul would call himself a preacher. 1 Timothy 2, 7, whereunto am I am ordained a preacher. 2 Timothy 1, 11, whereunto I am appointed a preacher. Now, the world looks down on preachers, and, uh, but God exalts it. And the calling to be a prophet of Habakkuk was a very personal calling. And God has a, an individual choice for every person, and God has what he wants you to do with your life. It's a very specific thing. And a man can go to school of prophets and learn many things about prophesying, but only God can call a prophet. Just because someone goes to school to become a pastor doesn't mean they're going to be a pastor. They've got to have the endorsement of a local New Testament church upon them. They can't just be a, prof they can't just be a pastor anywhere. Uh, God has ordained the very structure of being a pastor, the qualifications, the requirements for it. And um, we find here in Jeremiah chapter 1, look with me here. We'll come back to Habakkuk, but uh, look with me at Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 4 and 5. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed, this is verse 4 and 5 of Jeremiah 1, verse 5 particularly right now. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God has a plan for every one of our lives, and as he created you, he has a plan on what he wants to do. He has a, from your birth, there is something that God wants to do. And one of the things we learn, next we learn about Habakkuk, is he knew the Lord personally. He communed with him as with a friend, and uh, consists of a, really an amazing dialogue between Habakkuk and the Lord, and, and back and forth, and back and forth, and going back to the book of Habakkuk, but as we see here in Jeremiah, God called him from while he was in the womb. Understand that your life is not a mistake. Your life is not an accident. God has a great plan for your life. In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 12, 
we find a dialogue between Habakkuk and the Lord. In verse 12, art, not, art thou not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, mine holy one. And then he goes on to say, We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained thee, them for judgment, and Almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. But he calls here, O, he talks about my God, my holy one. There's a personal relationship. He also says in Habakkuk 1 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto, unto thee of, of violence, and thou wilt not save? We understand here, he, he, he recognizes the Lord as a Savior, as a saving one, as his redemption. Uh, Habakkuk 1 12, uh, going forth there, O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction and uh, ordained them for judgment. And, and again, this idea here that there's, God is in control. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. He calls God by these names. O Lord. And, and he's, I mean, he's very personal with him. Habakkuk 3, uh, verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Verse 19. The Lord is my strength. Again, over and over and over again, Habakkuk gives us a, an, a look into what his relationship looked look like with the Lord. Now, that, now, I think that's quite telling to us that God wants to be personal with you. He doesn't want you just to think of him as the God of the Bible, but he wants to be your God. My God, my strength, my Savior. And we find some other things in his whole inter, inter, uh, interaction here with the Lord. But he knew God's character as holy in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. Uh, Even cry unto thee of violence, thou wilt not save. You know, he says, understanding that God realizes that, verse 12, excuse me, not verse 2. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one. He, he talks about everlasting here. It talks about that he's just. It talks about that he's mighty. And then chapter 3, verse 18, as we looked at, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. So we see that God is holy. God is everlasting. God is just. God is mighty. And then he's also our Savior. So he's continuing to reveal of his character as Habakkuk, the prophet, uh, interacts with God. And he waits on the Lord to commune with him like a man in a watchtower. I mean, Habakkuk is just waiting to talk with the Lord. He's waiting to hear from him. Look with me at chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me. Now think about this. When are we waiting for God to speak to us? Am I on a watchtower sitting there saying, God, I want to hear from you. God, I, I want to I hear from your lips. And God, I, wanna, I, I need the word that you have for me today. And, and God's word gives us that. And his spirit speaks to us through his word. But here is Habakkuk without the full, I mean, he didn't have the Bible like we have it today. And yet he says, God, I'm waiting on you. I want to hear from you. He's on a watchtower. I mean, he's, he, the, the, the entire focus of his life is, God, I want to hear. And I, that ought to be our, our understanding. That ought to be our heart our heartbeat. You know, he relates to God in a very personal way. Because God was the God of his salvation, chapter 3, verse 18, as we've discussed. He's a man redeemed with his Savior God. He understands, I'm a sinner in need of an almighty, holy God. Everlasting God. A loving God. Now, 
going back to the beginning of our Bible, God made Adam for communion with himself. You and I were made to have communion with God. And when Adam sinned, God still gave redemption because God still wanted communion with man. And Christ is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And every believer is saved on the basis of Christ's atonement. Now we learn in Revelation 13, 8, that that very statement it backs it up, what I just said, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But you know what? <clears throat> because we are written in the book of the life of the, you know, in the book of life of the Lamb. Our, our name's written there if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's my Lamb. He's your Lamb. You see, another, when you think about Habakkuk and he's looking and waiting to talk with God, think about Enoch who walked with God and was not. And, and Enoch lived 365 years and then one day God just took him up to heaven and he was no more. You find in James chapter 2, verse 23, that Abraham was a friend of God. Moses spoke with God face to face, Exodus thirty-three eleven. David composed psalms to God as shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, right? Psalm 23. We see the Miriams and the Hannahs and the Debras and Ruths communing with God, their Savior. You find Mary, even the Lord Jesus Christ's mother on earth, talking about my God, my Savior. She, she noted the Lord as her Savior. The Savior would be the very one that she'd give birth to, fully God, fully man. Now, salvation begins with knowing Christ. It's not to know about Christ. It's not to know about God, but you know him. Because what he has done is for you, not just for all of mankind, not just a good act. It's a personal act. It's my own personal redemption. In John chapter 17, verse 3, would you look with me here? As the Bible tells us, many times as I was younger, and I think about the, these, these are the minor prophets, and uh, Joel and all the way to Malachi, they're all minor prophets. The only reason why they're minor is because they're shorter than your Isaiah's and Jeremiah's and Ezekiel's and Daniel's, right? That's why they're minor. Those are the, the other ones uh, are your major prophets. But, you know, sometimes I would think, man, these books are kind of hard to understand or maybe they're full of judgment. But I find that even in this book of Habakkuk, as I look at it, I'm finding just the overwhelming uh, love and the compassion of the Lord through these lesser known names in the Bible. And uh, John chapter 17, verse 3, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And God tells us, he says, listen, I want you to know me. And for the New Testament believer, we should have a zeal for God because it's personal. When you think about the, old, the, the, the believers of the time of Jesus, and, and even prior to that in Habakkuk's time, they didn't have the canon of Scripture. They didn't have the 66 books of the Bible. They didn't have the full, uh, full revelation of God that God's given to us. We don't have any more revelation because God's given it to us all in his Bible that we have today. They were not blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In Christ and, heavenly, and, and members of Christ's body, they didn't have that. They didn't know the mystery of God's will, that God would have local churches today. In Ephesians 1.10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both, with, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And there's going to be a day where all believers 
will be up in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the glory, man, that's going to be a, that's a perfect church service. I'm going to be with him. And Habakkuk's drawing us in to say, listen, I'm waiting to hear. Another thing we learn about Habakkuk is he is a musician and singer. Chapter 3 is a hymn, as you find here in Habakkuk chapter 3. Would you look with me here? A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet of Shiganoth. And here is a, to, the, you know, to the chief singer of, uh, of uh, my stringed instruments. And uh, in this very thing here, as he's going forward, <clears throat> he's wanting to sing to the Lord. And as you find at the end of chapter, chapter 3, verse 19, the end of it, to the chief singer on my stringed instruments, he's singing. He was associated with the temple. You know when we sing the hymns? Many times people said, ah, I don't know about those hymns. Or I don't know about this music. You know what, I'm not singing for myself. I'm singing for him. I want to bring my praises. I want to bring my, my exaltation and I want to glorify the Lord. It's all about him. And Habakkuk says, I'm doing it on my stringed instrument. Man, I'd love it someday. If we had an orchestra, that'd be awesome, amazing someday. By God's grace, we'll have it. But he wants to exalt the Lord. The fourth thing we find about Habakkuk is there's no lukewarmness here. He was passionate for God, passionate for the things of God, passionate in his prayers. Look with me in Habakkuk 1 2. Notice with me how he starts it. O Lord, verse 12, art thou not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, chapter 3, verse 2. O Lord, I have heard thy speech. He addresses God in a very reverent fashion. He's saying, O Lord. Expression of a passion and intimacy that he wants to get God's attention. He wants to hear from God. I mean, he is totally smitten with knowing God. To commune with him. In, Saul, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, look with me here, let's read this. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. You know, this reminds us of Psalm 25.5, David. In Psalm 25.5, David had a very similar sentiments. Now, <clears throat> thinking about our own personal life, asking us, how passionate am I about the Lord? You know, David would say in Psalm 25.5, Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. And asking that question of ourselves, am I just waiting on the Lord, waiting to hear from him? You know what Habakkuk is also? He's very transparent. Because in chapter 3, verse 2, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. I mean, he's transparent. God, I, I was just afraid. Lord, you know, and, and that's where sometimes... We think, and, and I think as we're young in the faith, we'll try to pray in some very grandiose, verbose, oratorical way that just sounds really good. 
But Habakkuk doesn't, he's not all about how it sounds. He just wants to give his heart to the Lord. And he said, God, I was afraid. You know, in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16, again some transparency. When I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered in my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. And again, in his passion, he's just open, transparent with God. When you're going through some hard times, do you just bear it all before the Lord and just say, God, I'm struggling. God, I don't know what to do. Lord, I need your help. Habakkuk's relationship with God is not just an intellectual relationship. It is from the heart. He engaged with him. He responded to the Lord. He bears it all out. God already knows what's in your mind. Why don't I just pour my heart out to him? Certain things can come up, and even this particular last week, there were some things that were like, oh, Lord. And I'd understand that God was still in control and I didn't know who to talk to, and so I just, and God's saying, hey, I want you to talk to me, and I said, okay, Lord, and I just began to talk with him. You see, Christian, the relationship of our lives is that God's saying, I want to hear from you. One of the things that we understand about Habakkuk, another point I want to make is that he was a man of true faith. Look with me, chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. I'm just doing an overview today. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive uh, shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet. and He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments and just think about it. He said, I understand the day of judgment's coming. I understand there's some affliction and turmoil that's coming. And you know what? One of the things that this book does of true faith is it answers like why God's judgment on sin tarries. Why is there so much wickedness? And why does God not judge evil? Why, God, why does God use evil to judge evil? Right? You have wicked rulers that judge evil people. You would have Nebuchadnezzar, a wicked man, that would judge wicked Judah. And Israel. God uses evil to judge evil many times. Why, God, uh, why God's deliverance seems to be slow in coming. And you might be thinking, God, I'm going through so much. It's more than I can handle. Why does God wait to step in? And we'll learn that in this book. We find something else about Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. Chapter 2, verse 2, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. This Bible, this really, this passage here describes in a nutshell the Bible, the just shall live by his faith. The upright, talks about man's soul, it's up, not upright, it's lifted up in pride. You know, this scripture was given to the Holy Prophets, chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. This is meant to be given out. 
It's very similar to what we find in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. Would you turn with me there? We'll come back to Habakkuk. But in 2 Peter 1, 21, the Bible is meant to be read. It is meant to be used. In 2 Peter 1, 21, Second Peter 1 Peter 1.21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This book, the Bible, is meant to be given out. I'm so thankful. I was seeing this week on some things about William Tyndale on my social media feed. and I'm so thankful for Tyndale's sacrifice. He didn't give up when the Pope refused and tried to kill him to get the Bible to the masses. Tyndale wanted the plowboy to have more knowledge of the Scripture than the priests in these large edifices, these large buildings. Tyndale would burn at the stake for translating the Scriptures into the English of the time. God's Word was meant to be given out. Scripture records in very plain language rather than incomprehensible mysteries. One of the things I'm so thankful about the Bible is it's clear, it's understandable. It's not, we're not waiting for the Gnostics and the higher aca, academics and all these potential scholars and other individuals with all these degrees to, to impart to us what God's Word says through their biased opinions. We have the Word of God that we can read for ourselves. We can judge our lives. We can evaluate our lives. We can be encouraged in our lives. We can be, uh, you know, corrected in our lives. Now, as you come back to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, he says, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. The idea of running here is God says, when you understand, God says, the scriptures are to be obeyed. They're not suggestions. They're not nice things to have. They are to be obeyed. Run that readeth it. You're, I mean, you're, you're going forward. Obey it. It's not studied for mere intellectual uh, curiosity. It's not studied for uh, you know, an academic acumen where you want to be some uh, very high and lifted up individual with some secret knowledge. God's, God's words and God's wisdom and God's character and God's person is not hidden to, to some secret group of people. It is for all people because he's a God that made all of us and he loves the whole world. So God wants this very truth of this book for you and for me. A young man once told David Cloud that he, he had, before he was saved, he had read the Bible, but only for knowledge. You know what? We can read this book for knowledge, and a lot of scholars and a lot of universities today will teach the Bible from a knowledge standpoint, but they don't know the God of this book. They talk about him, and God hates lukewarmness. God hates half-heartedness. Run, he says. Do all that I called you to do. Then there's a time appointed for this. In chapter 2, verse 3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. You know the prophecies that are here, many of them have been fulfilled, and there's still a lot more to come. 
A lot have been fulfilled, the Lord Jesus Christ. We find a fulfillment that Israel became a nation in a day. We find all sorts of things have happened. We find our world, there's fulfillment of prophecies. We look at our world today, a great falling away, a great hatred for God, a lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We see all of this opening up before our eyes today. And yet there's still a lot of prophecy and all prophecy has an appointed time with which it will be fulfilled. It goes on in chapter 2, verse 3, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. The Bible doesn't lie. I want to look at a few psalms here in this very same idea. Psalm 19, verse 9. about the word of God, the judgments of God are true. In Psalm 19, 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, righteous altogether. You know when God gives us a judgment? He says, hey, if you do this sin, there's going to be judgment. I don't have to doubt it. I can doubt whether it's going to come to me, but God says it's going to come. So whether I doubt or not, it doesn't matter. It's still going to come. Because he's true. Look with me at another one. Psalm 119, 151. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. I love this book. Man. When you come this book, man, I get to know God in here. I get to know more about him and all. I mean, there's questions I have about life and all sorts of different relationships and different responsibilities. God gives me instruction. Verse 5, every word of God is pure. He is a shield of them that put their trust in him. It's pure words. They're true words. They're undiluted words. They're without man's uh, input, man's evil, uh, you know, kind of putting things in the Bible. God would use, uh, obviously, fallen men, but by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, wrote this perfect book. The Bible tells us that Christ said the Father to the Father, thy word is truth, John 17, 17. You know, the scripture can't be broken, John 10, 35. There is still coming a day of judgment for this world. I was just thinking of it, and I'll talk more about it in the Sunday, hour, in the Sunday morning hour, but we have gospel tracts back then. Why do we have these? To hand out to people, to talk to people about Jesus, and they're a good communication starter to get the gospel out because judgment's still coming upon this world. We had on Thursday night, it was kind of interesting, we started uh, there in Bible study, we were talking about Satan and uh, deceiving Adam and Eve and, and then Satan's going to be thrown into the lake of fire forever. There's a darkness, wailing and gnashing of teeth. You're not going to see, but yet you're going to have all your lust, you'll have all your passions and they'll never be fulfilled. Yet you're going to be, your body will be in excruciating pain forever. Those are true and that judgment is still coming. And it's easy to try to push aside, but whether we push it aside or not, Truth is truth, and judgment still comes. The scripture is inspired, divine authority for our lives, perfectly true. 
One of the things also, in going back to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, Scripture is for the humble. You see, if you enter the Scriptures with a proud heart, then you're entering with a not a, an open heart. You're entering with not an open desire to hear from God. You're entering to use this book to fulfill your lusts. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. You know what? It says lifted up. When I come to the Scriptures, I must come in a humility saying, God, I just need your instruction. And the theme of this book is the just shall live by faith. His faith, her faith. And the two key passages from this uh, book are in chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, and uh, also chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, are the two key passages. Verse 17 of chapter 3, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the oil shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, <clears throat> living by faith requires God's word. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 2. As he talks about that he, uh, that he may run that readeth it. It requires uh, obedience, faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. As you read God's word, you are to apply it to your life. And uh, faith rests on God's word. It's impossible to have faith apart from God's word. Faith is not something that's worked up. You're not trying to have enough faith, trying to get enough emotion to get into it. It's not about working up emotions. It's not about working up your feelings. It's about just doing what you've been called to do. Because if I'm waiting for that good feeling, I'm going to be waiting a while. It's not found through meditation with oneself or contemplative prayer. By studying and understanding and believing God's word. So in here in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3, living by faith, here's the hard part, requires patience. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. The time of God's working is in his hands and we just have to rest on the Lord. You know what, there's a lot of times I, you know, there's a lot of words in the scripture that talks about tarry, waiting, patience. I had to say as I was there in Tadouli this week, and a lot of patience, a lot of patience. Stuck up there waiting for that plane to be fixed. There's another one there, uh, the idea of the Hebrew word maha, which means to linger. Patience is needed. Or to procrastinate, to be late. And Abraham's servant would use this word in Genesis chapter 24, verse 56, when he said he must not delay in returning to his master. It is used for delaying the offer to tithe to God, Exodus 22, 29. Some will say, I can't do it right now. Or slack to accomplish one's purposes. God, I, I, I just, I can't do it right now. I can't do your person. But you know, God calls us live by faith. God doesn't need the patience. You need the patience to just do what he calls you to do and wait for his timing to come. Because it can be difficult as you're going through maybe some hard times. You're saying, I, I can't wait to be done with this hard time. But sometimes at the end of a hard time is sometimes even a harder time. And sometimes a good time. But God says that his word will be fulfilled at the exact time that he desires. 
And God's timing for you and I is many times slow. Very slow. <laughs> you know, when I'm waiting for God to do something, God, please do this. I really, 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 really need it now. God's saying, no, I want you to wait. And you're like, oh, I can't wait anymore. Uh, I get that way. As I had mentioned, living by faith requires humility. It is the meek who will believe God's word. Living by faith is the path of the just. Look with me at Romans 1.17. Going back, we'll go back to Habakkuk, but <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Just an overview of the book of Habakkuk this morning as we start a new study in this book. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We can say, I live by faith until turmoil comes, until difficulties come, until obstacles that are greater than I can see past until those come into our lives. And then I begin to say, I've got to fix this problem. Because I'm not living by faith. Living by faith is the path of the just. That just is a person who's right before God and wants to honor Him. The Christian life is from faith to faith. You go from one circumstance by faith to another circumstance by faith to another circumstance by faith. Every day is from faith to faith. You're trusting God to provide. You're trusting God to give you the emotional security and the emotional strength and the physical strength and, and the wisdom for your job and, and the wisdom for your family. You're asking God. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, look with me here. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. Galatians 3.11, the Bible tells us, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith, verse 12. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. The law is to live by a set of rules. This happens, I do this, but this happens, I do this. It's a man who plans his life by doing, doing, doing. Faith is, I'm waiting for God's guidance and direction. It's taken myself out of the way and waiting for his direction. And that's the difficult part for us because I want to be in control. And it continues as a life of a dependency upon God, believing his word. You realize this, that living by faith is to trust God in every circumstance? Going back to our main passage here in Habakkuk, in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, right? Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the oil shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. Everything, I mean, stuff is failing around you. And the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Man, life's getting difficult. The food pantry's getting low. The bank account's going to nothing. Live by faith. In every circumstance. 
And Habakkuk tells us in verse 18, yet, yet, despite, right? He's saying despite, I will rejoice in the Lord. What a powerful expression of faith. This was the song of Abraham on his journey with Isaac to Mount Moriah, of Ruth when she trusted Jehovah God in the land that was foreign to her. And Joseph, when he was sold by his brothers into Egypt, of Daniel when they carried him away to Babylon, and of Daniel's friends when they faced the fiery furnace. Habakkuk's song here, chapter 3 of Habakkuk, as I said, is a song that he's singing to the Lord. And in this song, we don't find doubt, we don't find worry, and we don't find complaining. It's too hard. God, I give up. God, I can't do it. We get that way sometimes. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. He says, the fig trees are not blossoming. The fruit's not coming to the vines. The labor of the oil is going to fail. The fields have no food. And the flocks are cut off. I mean, our, our, our meat is dying. Our food is, our produce is dying. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know where the food's coming from. Live by faith in every circumstance. Habakkuk 3.18, in this every circumstance, there's still a calling to rejoice. That rejoice here is to triumph, boasting in the Lord. Habakkuk 3.18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. You know when we're not happy emotionally? Maybe I'm hurting. Maybe I've lost a loved one. Or there's some other great loss. I can still boast in the Lord. When friends turn against you, family may turn against you, you can still boast in the Lord. You might be struggling, you might be unhappy, but I can still make a choice to give God glory. I can still make a choice to say God is still good. Lord, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I want to thank you. You know why I'm going through this. This word boast is also spoken of in a number of passages. Romans 2.17, 2.23, 2 Corinthians 7.14, 2 Corinthians 9.2, 10.18, 10.13, 10.15, 10.16, 2 Corinthians 11.16. All these passages talks about boast. In Romans 5.3, in the glory, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. He says we glory in tribulations. You know what a tribulation does? I found it in my life is true. It's true irrespective of whether I found it or not, but it's still, but it's still there. But you know what tribulations do? <laughs> they help you with patience to wait on the Lord. Wait a little longer. Paul is teaching that the believer can boast in God and glory in him regardless of your circumstances. This term rejoice doesn't always return, talk, speak of emotional happiness. Happiness comes and happiness goes. Happiness is an emotional state right now. But rejoicing is a choice to, be, to, to thank God, to be appreciative of God, to be grateful for God in spite of maybe the difficult time you're going through. It's confident in God. 
trusting in God and cleaving to God's promises, that is rejoice. We'll talk some more next time about lessons about God as we go through this. And I'm not finished with my notes this morning. But I trust this is exciting stuff as we study the book of Habakkuk this morning. The just shall live by faith. I will rejoice in the Lord despite my circumstances. Rejoicing is your choice. Will we choose to obey and live by faith? Or will we choose to dishonor God and complain? Let us pray. Our dear heavenly and gracious Father, Lord, I yield this morning to Thee. Father, I need your help. God, I want to thank you as we look at your perfect word, preserved word, holy word, righteous word. That God, we get to know you from it. Lord, there's some correction. In spite of circumstances, I can choose to rejoice. I pray that you'd help me to do so in each and every one of us. Father, as we go into this morning, May you be praised. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.